Welcome to Beyond the Reiki Gateway, a podcast reserved for the spiritually curious. Journey further with Reiki Masters Kathleen Johnson and Andrea Kennedy through in-depth conversations, many featuring inspiring and intriguing special guests to enrich your unique spiritual progression. Hi, everyone. Today, we have a very special guest with us, another special guest. We've had so many wonderful people this season. I'm just so excited. And today, we have Angie Yankst. She is a certified earth medicine practitioner, an advanced crystal master, an Usui Reiki master teacher, and a tarot reader. She owns the Moon and Stone Healing Studio and Academy, and she's the host of the podcast called Centered with Angie Yangst. She combines crystal healing, Reiki, tarot, energy medicine, and shamanic techniques to facilitate healing in her clients, and she balances her work with the moon cycles and seasonal energies to maximize healing potential. Angie was on the faculty of Hibiscus Moon Crystal Academy, and she served as a curriculum specialist and a crystal coach. She currently offers online classes in tarot, earth medicine, shamanic journeying, and healing work. Angie has been reading tarot for over 30 years and has even written two books on tarot. She's here with us today to discuss some questions we've received over the past few seasons about working with crystals and the science of crystal healing. Angie, thank you so much for being here with us today. It's exciting to finally meet you. I am so excited to be here, Kathleen and Andrea. Thank you so much for having me. I love answering questions, that's for sure. (laughs) (laughs) Great. (laughs) All right. Well, let's get started then. Wow. I had no idea that you are in so many different areas. And I really feel, though, just the little bit I know about you, you don't do anything halfway. (laughs) It feels like to me, when you focus in on a modality or a subject, I'll bet you go all in. And I'm really excited to talk to you. And as Kathleen was going through all of your specialties, I thought, oh, only talking about crystals? Oh, I don't know. (laughs) I'm sure we'll totally fill up the show all about crystals, but I'm intrigued about all of these other things that you're offering. I have a question for you, though. You know, I was pretty late to crystals. I was very skeptical. I thought it was kind of weird and woo-woo to think crystals really did much. I mean, I liked them. I thought they were pretty and stuff, but I was just so mainstream about it. How did you first get interested in crystals? How old were you? Uh, Can you share a little bit about that with us? Yeah, um, I grew up in Pennsylvania. And my parents were 18 in 1968. They were kind of, I want to say hippie adjacent. I don't, (laughs) they were not exactly hippies, but my mom collected crystals and she would take us to crystal shops and let us pick. So the first crystal I ever remember having is a lapis. And she just basically said, go pick something. And I picked lapis and my sister picked malachite. I remember sitting with it and holding it when I went to sleep, you know, not really knowing what to do with them. And I also remember being in Girl Scouts and that was quite young, I think third or fourth grade. And we went out digging for fossils and for arrowheads, which were very plentiful in Pennsylvania at the time. 
And so that got me really interested in just being in the dirt. So I remember going home from that and just really looking for things in, in my backyard, finding quartzes and rinsing them off and trying to polish them up and going to the streams and looking for crystals. And so I had a nice little rock collection like most kids do, but I had that most of my teenage years and, and I got more interested in meditation and things in my teenage years. So reflecting back on that lapis. That's the stone of communication, right? Yeah. yeah. Do you think that was a little foreshadowing there why you were drawn to that? <laughs> I mean, writing books, doing your own podcast. Wow. A little foreshadowing, I would say. Absolutely. And it's a great dream crystal too. So I used it. Like it's funny to now, you know, think I, I probably would suggest someone take lapis to bed without having that first experience. I think that's very important to share with people that you, intuitively tend to grab crystals you need or that will enhance your abilities or enhance things you need. Often people use them in ways that they find intuitively matches up with what they want. So I just carried it to bed and it turns out like I'm a very active dreamer and I'm also a lucid dreamer. I started doing that in my teenage years too. And so that's just the stone to be using for that, but I would never have known that at that young age. So I think we're very wise beyond our learning. I keep a piece of lapis on my nightstand and I have for years because I agree. It definitely promotes dreaming and it definitely promotes the communication. Communication comes in all forms as we know. And uh, yeah, I love lapis. Plus it's really, really pretty. <laughs> I love it. It's gorgeous. Yeah. My son. It really is. Who's eight just discovered that it has pyrite in it. So he's now in love. He loves pyrite. And so he's always looking at different stones and seeing what's in them. And yeah, it's fun to share that with kids. Yeah. Oh, yeah. My sons all have crystals. They have them lined up on their windowsills. And, you know, I, I give them as gifts and <laughs> They're all over the house, and I'm, as I'm sure they are in yours as well. As someone who has worked with crystals for many, many years, obviously dating back to childhood, I know you have so much information, and especially having worked with Hibiscus Moon for a number of years as a crystal coach and a curriculum specialist. So I think a lot of our listeners are very interested in understanding how how crystals actually work. You know, like Andrea said, she was skeptical. And I think a lot of people are. They're drawn to their appearance. They're beautiful. They're kind of fun to have, cut in different shapes. And they're just lovely to look at. But they, they're so much more than that. So would you mind telling our listeners and us, you can re-educate me. And me. <laughs> letting everyone know how they actually work? What is the science behind crystal healing? Well, it's a great question. And I think one of the misconceptions, if I can start there, is that people think you have to believe in crystals for it to work. And that's similar with Reiki too, right? Like we have to believe Reiki exists to have healing from it. And that's just not true. Crystals work on a vibration level, a vibratory level. So it's about our body's ability to entrain with the vibration of the crystal. So we can think of everything has energy. Everything has a vibration. And that sounds very woo-woo. And that's usually when people are like, I'm out. But it does. There's atoms moving and that's what causes vibration. The earth has 
a vibration. Our body has a vibration. The thing about crystals is that crystals have a fixed composition. They have a, a repeating geometric pattern. This keeps them very stable. So their vibration is going to be the same whether you put it in water, or whether you put it on your shelf, whether you hold it, whether you heal with it, whatever you're doing with the crystal, it's going to stay the same. It doesn't entrain with you because it's stable. And humans, on the other hand, are constantly entraining with everything around them. In fact, their brain, their internal organs are vibrating at different levels. The heart beats faster than the brain, and you can measure that. So we use crystals on our body and we entrain, and this is just physics, with the loudest or highest amplitude thing in our environment. Often that's extreme emotions, other people. And so empaths, you can kind of go back to that empath thing where people say, oh, I pick up on everybody's emotions. I feel what people are feeling. If someone's in a bad mood, I get in a bad mood. That's very much just the physics principle of entrainment. Someone who's in a lower vibration, which is not bad or good, they're here, they're at a lower vibration and you're at a higher vibration, you're going to entrain. So your vibration is going to come down, their vibration is going to come up. So when we hang out with someone who is negative, complaining, uh, you know, we have to go home and take a nap and they go, <laughs> hey, can I come and move in with you? Like, I'd love to sit on your lap all the time because they feel great <laughs> after they leave us, right? We need a nap and we need a cup of coffee. and But with crystals, they stabilize and hold our vibration. So because they don't move down to ours, we just get to meet theirs and then train with it. The way crystals work is that our proximity to them will help raise our vibration and stabilize it. And sometimes it's not even about raising it, it's just about stabilizing it. And what that does is mm -hmm. help to bring our energy field, make that stronger, make our energy our own. So we're not so affected by other, all the other things in the world. And you know this, like you go out to the mall or to a, a big uh, celebration and in one place you're like, oh, it feels weird over there. And then here it feels good. And, you know, you kind of notice your vibration changing. If you keep some crystals in your pocket, you usually keep a pretty stable vibration and don't get as affected by other people because they're not louder than crystals. Does that make sense? Makes a lot of sense to me. I absolutely love your explanation. It makes wonderful sense to me. I have a science background, so I love that you brought the physics in because that's kind of my jam. And it makes sense. And I'm wondering, can we have too many crystals around? Does it get confusing to have too many crystals? Because, you know, I have some favorites that I have, but I mean, they're not all over my house or anything. I just have a few little favorites that I sit with or have around me. But some people, Kathleen, <laughs> have crystals all over. And so I'm wondering, what happens when somebody has different crystals in their pockets and they wear the, them as necklaces and bracelets? And can there be a downside or or what happens in that case? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like setting intentions when you're bringing in crystals for healing or for intention setting. You can be too scattered. And my uh, mentor and Kathleen's mentor, Hibiscus Moon, she calls it crystal chaos, where you just have so many different vibrations that you're kind of get really spacey and ungrounded. Some people experience headaches or they'll feel dizzy or 
when I went to the Tucson Gem Show a few years ago, which is the biggest gem show in the world, I was going through all these shows and I was so excited. And then at one point I was just like, whoa. And I had to buy a black tourmaline to put in my pocket because I was really ungrounded and I was feeling spacey. I couldn't keep a conversation going without drifting off. And I am such an earthy person that it was a little shocking to me. And I work with crystals all the time. So I'm okay having them all here. But a lot of people, when they're first getting used to crystal vibration, do need to like ease into it. So someone who's been around crystals all the time, their vibrations used to that. Other people, they'll notice it because they get the chills and they start feeling like, woo, all their vibrations going up and they're like wiggling like they're doing the cha-cha. That's <laughs> their vibration moving up. And at some point, people always ask me like, well, my, I don't feel that anymore. Like I want to get back to that early days where I feel that because your vibration's up there. You're not going to feel the raising of your vibration as quickly. Yes. But I think of it like intention. If I set my intention for the day to do art, run errands, pick up the kids, make dinner, meditate, do yoga, do this, do that, you know, at some point I'm going to fail one of those things, right? Sometimes I'm so scattered, I wouldn't be able to do any of those things. And that's kind of the same with crystals. I like to say that being in your environment, I'm not working with all these crystals right now. So they're just, they're there, but I have one grid going. And that grid is the intention is to be of service to others. So when I send energy there, that's the only thing that I'm really working with at one time. And I try to stay pretty focused. So I don't wear a ton of different crystals around. I try to stay focused on an intention. Yeah, intention is so important, whether you're working with crystals or with Reiki. I do the same thing. And I do remember the phrase crystal chaos that really stuck with me because initially when I first started working with crystals, I was worried about that. I thought, well, maybe they're all sort of canceling each other out or making me a little bit crazier than I already am. I mean, I didn't know, (laughs) (laughs) but I started bringing intention into it when I was going through the course at Hibiscus Moon and it made a big difference. Now I have them all over the house, but I don't feel that, I guess that scattered feeling, that frantic feeling, that frazzledness, not at all. And you were speaking earlier about being in a situation where there's a lot going on and you're kind of like, you need a nap. I had something like that happen yesterday, as a matter of fact. Andrea knows what I'm talking about. My granddaughter turned three yesterday, so I had to travel a couple hours to attend, and there was a lot of little kids there and <laughs> and a lot of adults, and I was I was really feeling it. So I knew what was coming, so I prepared myself with my crystals. <laughs> I wore my Sugalite pendant. Oh, yeah. That's that's a go-to. Uh, which I absolutely love. Oh, my goodness. Sugalite, yeah. Whenever I'm going out and I know I'm going to be around, especially people I don't know, because there were a lot of strangers at the party. Well, strangers to me, obviously. And then I had the tourmaline in my pocket, <laughs> like covering all the bases here. I got Sugalite up here and I got tourmaline for grounding. I still feel a little bit like I need a nap today. Almost like I'm hungover, but I didn't have anything to drink. <laughs> So I know exactly what you mean, but I know if I hadn't had those crystals with me, I would probably feel even worse. I think energy hangovers are a real thing. I've experienced them for sure. Oh, yeah. But those are the two stones I use in every healing session that I do. I put a tourmaline in my pocket and I wear sujalite around my neck. Yes. 
Oh, that's so cool. I love that. For protection. Yeah, they're, they're wonderful. The sugilite, especially because it opens your channel. You know, it's great Reiki stone. You know, it's a great stone to be doing energy work. Yeah. It's high vibration, but it's very protective. And that's the great combo of some of those purple stones like chair white, sugilite, even stitch tight. And uh, amethyst, amethyst is wonderful for that too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So I'm getting uh, crystal envy over here. I just <laughs> have to say that right now. I'm sitting here writing notes down. I'm like, okay, I need that. And I need that. <laughs> Making my shopping list here. And a lot of people don't have crystal shops where they live. I'd be interested to know, where do you recommend people look online? Because I've seen a lot of places online and I just get the feeling I don't want to buy their crystals. And so can you help us out a little bit on what to look for or any recommendations about where our listeners might find stones of good quality? I agree. It's It can be a really strange field out there. Stones are stones, but then there's a place where you can find people trying to scam you out of everything. You know, there's mm-hmm. class being sold as quartz. There's places that are mislabeling things. So I think really going to local gem shows is a really wonderful way to find good crystals for an inexpensive price. You can compare different people's crystals you are supposed to whether they tell you the truth or not is another thing but they're supposed to disclose the truth about where their crystals come from if they're real or treated or dyed or heat treated whatever every seller is supposed to disclose that so going to gem shows is a great way to meet people and those places often sell online as well so If you have a local gem show, that's great. You can just Google gem shows across America, gem shows in Europe, gem shows, you know, wherever you are, and you'll see a list of them because uh, Rockin' Gem Magazine posts them. Now, mineral shows, gem and mineral shows are great places to compare, to see what you want. Shopping online is different because you're not holding the crystal. So connecting with a crystal, if that's something that's important to you, you want to do that in person. And so there's gem and mineral shows, which happen throughout the whole year, and they happen everywhere in the country. So even if you have to travel, I have a local one that's half an hour from me, and then there's the big one in New York and New Jersey that is kind of like the big East Coast one. So you can travel to bigger ones or you can stay local. Local shops are wonderful too. I mean, I think in person is important when you're starting out. You want to see the crystal, hold it, look at it. But if you're buying online, there's some great shops too. And some of those shops you're going to hear a lot of people recommend the same shops. Some of them are like healingcrystals.com. They're just kind of like a base of a good crystal shop. Exquisitecrystals.com is my favorite shop. They're a little more expensive, but they're curated. John, who owns it, answers questions. Like I've called them and asked them questions or sent them emails. They're very good at responding. He's metaphysical as well. So that's a tension in our community. So we have the people that use it for metaphysical reasons. And then you have rock hounds, people who are geologists who love to collect crystals because of their beauty and don't 
believe any of the metaphysical stuff. And there's a lot of tension online when you go into geology sites and you mention anything metaphysical, people will kind of make fun of you. So I'd like to warn people of that because sometimes they'll go into a gem show and say, hey, can I have Healerite? And they're like, I don't know what that is. That's a made up name. (laughs) And you say, oh, I want serpentine. And then they go, oh, they're the same exact crystal. But there are miners and people who are trying to make a buck by trademarking names on crystals that have existed for a long time. Yes. And that can be something that gets very confusing when you first get into crystals. So try to learn their geological names. Try to figure out, like, maybe you're looking for one or two things. Start small. You don't need a ton of crystals. I have a ton of crystals because I hold space for people. And I do healing work. And I do ceremony. And I do ritual. And those crystals are important. But in the same token, everybody doesn't need every crystal. And I think focusing in on getting a nice quartz. Like, I have a quartz that I hold in every tarot reading I have for the last 10 years. It's the same crystal. And studying traditional shamanism, the shaman had one crystal they used for everything. They found it when they were out. They asked the earth to give it to them and they use it for everything. So I always try to tell people, you know, you can have one crystal you use for everything or you can have a whole collection, but start small and start with a personal relationship with the crystal is my opinion. I had a question too about you mentioned dyed or treated. Yes. I'm hearing a lot. Is it aura light or what? what's that one called? Oh, aura quartz. Aura quartz. So recently someone asked me about that crystal and my opinion about it. And I had no opinion on it. So I'm going to pass that to you. What is that? And how do you feel about treated crystals or dyed? Are those good to use or should we stay away from those? I think that's a very personal decision. I mean, some people really are attracted to aura quartzes and they love them. But the process of creating an aura quartz, it changes the crystal molecularly. So what they do is they paint metal or put metal on top of a quartz and bake it at such a high degree that it fuses with the crystal. So I don't really work with them. I don't feel much from them. And I'm mm. I'm kind of a sensor and a feeler. So I go by that. I've worked with some crystals that I love that are man-made or made from man uh, doing their thing on earth. And I'm fine with some of those, but generally I try to stay with just natural crystals. But other people love them. I mean, some people really work with angelic energies through the aura quartzes. I just haven't experienced that personally. Kathleen, do you work with them? I feel the same way you do. It's a very personal decision. I was gifted a lovely piece of our quartz many years ago, probably 10 years ago now. And I love it because I love the gifter. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and, but do I work with it? No, not really. I keep it in a pride of place on a shelf near me. In fact, it's right up there, as a matter of fact. <laughs> so, so I can look at it, but I don't really work with it. I find that when I choose stones with which to work because I use stones in all my Reiki sessions, all of them. And I tend to go like you described that quartz that you've been using. There's a laser quartz that I have that is in all of my Reiki sessions, but I tend to go back to the same ones. But to go to your original question, I love them. I think they're beautiful. 
And I respect anyone's decision on whether to work with them or not. But for me, I like them more as decorative pieces than actually working with them. I'm just peppering you with questions, Angie, I have to say, but that's okay. I'm in for it. I love it. So my next question is, what about Vogel crystals? Those have those special cuts to them. Um, Can you speak a little about those? They're really expensive too. Yeah, they are very expensive. Vogel cut crystals, uh, they came about because of Marcel Vogel, who was an IBM engineer. And he found, you know, they were using crystals and computers and clear quartz crystals have three main important qualities. They amplify energy, they store energy, and they're programmable. And these three qualities make crystals. That's why crystals are in your watches and in your computers, because they have piezoelectricity. So if you're applying a little electricity, it has a rhythmic, you know, keeps your your second hand going. There is a kind of preciseness to it. And Marcel Vogel started playing with this idea of programming. And he said, you know, what if we cut the crystal in a certain way to amplify, basically help that crystal be more programmable and more storable and uh, more amplifying? And so he cut the quartzes to the specifications of the pyramids of Giza, the same angles. And he figured out this very specific way to cut these quartzes. And he trained very few people. So the reason they're so expensive is because the process is very precise and the precision is what they're known for, the precision of their angles. And so what they're used for is healing and programming. So you'll see, I think there's some beds, crystal beds that have vogels that are amplifying color energy coming down through the vogels. And those beds are like, $20,000 $20,000 or something. Ooh. They're very expensive. Ooh. Oh my goodness. There's only one, I think only one person who was Vogel trained who's still cutting Vogel crystals. So that's why they're so expensive and rare and hard to find. Wow. But they're supposed to be very good for programming it for your special needs, you know, whatever it is. Psychic work, intuition, uh, meditation, things like that. Wow, that's fascinating. Yeah. But you can program any chords using similar techniques. It's just not cut to those precision. And again, that's Vogel's opinion, right? um, His experience, his um, experimentation. I have not found that my life is lacking for not having Vogel crystal. (laughs) I have to say as a crystal. (laughs) Okay. That's good to know. You touched on this topic of programming the crystals and said, anything really could be programmed. Sometimes I've gone into the crystal shop and I'm looking around and it is like certain ones are jumping out at me. Like they want to come home with me. Yep. What is that? What is happening there? (laughs) I mean, Kathleen, I feel like Kathleen's like, I know what that is. It's really our, our energy is attracted to, I think what we need, what we are ready to resonate with. You know, we're kind of like, like attracts like, and we kind of go towards those things we need in our lives. And those are really awesome moments because it's almost like spirits giving you the spotlight right on what you need, right? It's yeah. like, hey, you're going to flash the light right on that pseudo light. 
Well, that's really cool because that means we don't necessarily need to know what we're going to the crystal shop for. We just need to have money in our pockets. And <laughs> <laughs> definitely. Yes. <laughs> Lots of money. <laughs> money in our pockets. Yeah. And a way to get them all home, right? Yes, exactly. They get heavy. Yeah, they do. I always think my <laughs> mail <do>. carrier <laughs> gets annoyed with me. <laughs> yeah. I said to my UPS guy the one time, are you mad at me? Because I'm ordering a lot of pounds of crystals. She's like, you got some heavy packages coming in here. And I was like, I know. Well, you're helping her get fit, right? That's funny. They are happy. And do crystals, do they have consciousness? Do they have, many people say that they do and they get messages from the crystals. Can you speak about that? The native peoples of North America tend to call them the stone people because they felt they had consciousness and they carried the messages of the earth. I feel like that almost verges on like my personal belief system, you know, and I kind of think we're all, we're all one and we're all connected. And so when you sit and are quiet with a crystal, for me, it shows me what it wants to be used for and how it wants to be used. And I often respect it as my co-facilitator in healing. So it is my ally, not something I'm mastering or using, or it's basically showing me how it wants to be worked with. So does it talk to me? Not in the same way that traditionally, if I would connect with an angel or pray or something, what I do is I sit with it and I say, show me how you want to be used for this person. Oh. And it, I'll kind of see how and be guided uh, how to use it. But most people don't sit quietly long enough with their crystals they're just like okay i want this to fix me and it's not a pill it's it's a, it's a tool and i think if we think of crystals as a tool for something that we could do without it that will help you know a lot more than saying this is going to cure this and this is going to fix that crystals don't really work in that way does that make sense oh yeah 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 it's hard because a lot of people want that, you know, they just want the thing that's going to fix them. Oh, the quick fix. Yeah, of course. I can have a hammer on the table, but it's not going to put the nail in the wall for me. Uh, I have to actually pick it up and use it in a certain way for the result I want. And without the hammer, you could get a nail into a wall. It's just going to yes. be very difficult. Right, right, right. The crystal <laughs> is the hammer. It's a good way to look at it. So the crystal is the one helping your vibration get up to that ideal vibration so that you can do that work. So a lot of people get that mistake in their head. They look at a crystal book and they're like, oh, it says this is going to cure a headache or it says this is going to help with my confidence. Well, it'll help bring your vibration up. It'll get you halfway there. But you still have to do the work that is the thing behind the thing behind the thing. It'll have to do the work. So you still have to figure out why is your confidence lacking and, and what does your work do? But the vibration raising, the vibration stabilization helps you get there easier. It's not like you're trying to do this work while you're in a hole. You're, you're raised up so that you have an easier access to that work. Does that make sense? Yeah. Great explanation. I love your explanation about whether crystals have consciousness. It does indeed kind of verge on our personal belief systems. I use crystals the way you do. I don't even like to use the word use. I think of them as allies. I work with them. I consider them allies, friends. If I 
no longer need to work with a crystal, I will find a good home for it. <laughs> so it's just important to me to treat them with respect. And I think they do have consciousness. That's my particular belief. But it's not like the consciousness we associate with being human or an animal or any other kind of sentient uh, being. They do have consciousness and they're great tools because when you sit with them, take the time to allow them to entrain, they'll tell you a lot as long as you're open to it. And that's been my experience. Yeah, mine too. They don't talk to me. They just kind of let me know how they want to work with me or with someone with whom I'm working, right? Yeah. And I'm sure you've had this experience too, Kathleen, where you're working, you're, you said you use them in Reiki, where you're just, I'm like, I'm not going to use crystals this time. And then I'll be working and doing Reiki on somebody and they'll be like, use <laughs> me. Like, I'm over yeah, here and I'll just right. go right to something and put it on. And it, Exactly. That's exactly right. It feels like they want to be part of the healing work. Yeah. Yeah, because I use them in every single session. And there have been times when I think, oh, maybe not today. But then I'll be getting myself ready. And then out of the corner of my eye, there'll be one that I wasn't even thinking about. It's almost like doing one of these, waving. And I'm like, all right, fine. I guess, <laughs> I guess you're going to be in the session. And that's how I choose crystals. Yeah, exactly. Just like in the crystal shop. They continue to wave <laughs> even after you have them home. Yeah. And that's how I choose the for a Reiki session, you know, just because it'll catch my eye and I go, okay, I guess you're up today, that kind of thing. They let you know. Absolutely. So if we go and we pick a crystal and we bring it home, this is like crystal 101 here. So we need to cleanse it, right? And there are lots of different ways to cleanse the crystals. After all of your experience, all of these years, Angie, how do you cleanse your crystals? Hibiscus moon talks about them on that vibratory level. So you're talking about vibration and resonance and frequency. So she uses sound to cleanse. And that's, to me, a really important part of, it freed me a lot. I read so many conflicting things before I took the coursework where it was like, bury it in salt for 10 days or do this or, you know, run around and uh, put it in the sun and put it in the moon and put it in the... I didn't know what to do. I felt very stuck. And she said, you just need to ring something loud so it can go back. Almost like you're shocking it out of whatever dullness it has. It just you're reviving it a little bit. And it goes back to its dominant oscillatory rate or its vibratory resonance. So you're kind of just getting it to go to neutral. But when I get something at a crystal shop, I still do... Uh, run it under incense and cleanse it physically if it's dirty, especially from gem shows, because sometimes the miners, they just like literally will still have dirt on it. So I will scrub it if it can take water and, and clean it up. And I treat it like part of my family. Like, what would I do with a dog that I was adopting? You know, I would come home and yeah. clean him and tell him I love him and, you know, uh, make sure he's fed <laughs> right. and, and watered, you know. I do the same thing with my crystals, just try to love it up and connect with it in some way. I'm also sometimes buy too many and just go like, okay, I'll deal with those later. But I try really hard <laughs> to be sacred about it and not yeah. be a crystal hoarder because that is a really big thing in our community too. So, Oh, yeah. Crystal hoarder. Ooh. Wow. That's a thing. That, that <laughs> sounds like a, sounds pretty interesting. We'll have to get there. And so- <laughs> 
But sticking to my crystal 101, you know, I have a laser focus here on this. So uh, we get our crystal, we bring it home, we have it cleansed. And then what if we want to work with it then for, let's just pick an issue. We'll do the communication because we started the show with that. So what if they want to be able to communicate better, be a better, like public speaking, for example, and they buy a certain crystal and they bring it home, they cleanse it. What do they do then? I mean, a great way to start with a crystal is to sit quietly with it. And, you know, a lot of people are like, well, I can't meditate. I don't do that. Well, think of it as just like you're introducing yourself to the crystal and you're letting the crystal introduce themselves to you. And the way I have come to explain how crystals work, because it's vibratory, I think of them as all singing their own song. And we want to be able to listen to the song that it's singing. We may be able to read books of what other people think that Crystal's song is, but we want to learn what the song is when it lives with us and when it works with us. So sitting quietly and even starting at two minutes a day of just like, I'm just going to sit and whatever feelings, thoughts, ideas, colors, anything, everything can be the communication. So some of us learn by seeing. So we'll see a whole like movie in our head, clairvoyant people, but clairaudient people might hear a song. Some people smell, you know, by their intuition. Some people get gut feelings or just thoughts pop into their head. So we don't always know. And sometimes we're multifaceted in that way. So sitting still and just saying anything I get within this two minute period is from this crystal and just allowing yourself to accept that and not doubt yourself and to say, okay, everything is from this crystal. So every thought that pops in, every whatever, sometimes people will just start coughing and they'll be like, why do I, I'm just coughing. It's like clearing your chakra, you know, Ah, and that's a release. I just tell people start there and then kind of work your way up to working with it longer and longer and longer. And a lot of people find that meditating alone is really difficult, but when they start meditating with a crystal, they actually can sit a lot longer because they're, keeping their mind occupied. They're communicating with the crystal instead of just sitting there doing nothing. A lot of people are like, I don't know how to do nothing. Yeah, that's the point. (laughs) Yeah, they have a focus with the crystal. Keeping a journal about it is good. Just so you remember, because you're not, it's like a dream when you're in meditation. You sometimes don't remember it. So writing things down and just, you know, going back and looking at that later, you'll sort of make a pattern and connections with things. You mentioned programming earlier too. And so if we get to that point where we're ready to program our crystal, what could that look like? Programming is a really, it's actually kind of controversial in crystal communities, not because anybody's doing anything bad, but do crystals need to get programmed? They come out of Mother Earth with their own kind of program. That's their song. That's their vibration. That's the work they do with humans when they are connected. So a lot of people don't ever program crystals and you never have to if you don't want to. Programming really only works with clear quartz because it is like a blank slate of a crystal. And it kind of, uh, when you work with clear quartz, it's doing all of those things. It's programmable. It's, it's storability is there and it amplifies energy. So when you set an intention, you can work with clear quartz for that intention, but it's very easily knocked off of that vibration because you're essentially putting that vibration into the crystal. You're saying, I want to use you just for 
balancing chakras or just for reading tarot or just for that. So you have to treat it almost like with kid gloves, wrap it up, keep it separate from everything else. That's why a lot of people don't do programming because it does bounce out of the program very quickly. Oh, it's not practical, honestly. And there is a crystal for that. You know, it's a joke we always make in our crystal community when somebody (laughs) says, you know, anything we go, oh, there's a crystal for that. But there really (laughs) is a crystal for just about everything. So do you need to program one quartz crystal to do something very specific? To me, that's kind of like being the master of the crystal. And, And I just don't resonate with that very much. But I know a lot of people do, and they definitely don't see it that way. But it's just I feel a little icky about it. But I don't know, Kathleen, do you use programming? I agree with you about programming, uh, but charging a crystal. Okay, perhaps you can discuss the difference between programming and charging, because there is a difference. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Charging crystals are more on that ceremonial level, and that is kind of infusing it with the pranic energy of whatever you're working with. So you can put it in the sun to charge it with sun energy. Now, some crystals are very sensitive to sun, so they'll fade things that are very brightly colored, like amethyst, uh, fluorite, you know, some of those will fade in direct sunlight. But a lot of people use the moon to charge their energy. So they'll use astrological events, full moons, uh, things like that, and charge their crystals. And what that basically means is you're letting the light come in and you're letting the crystal kind of soak up that additional vibration energy. So people who are sensitive, who are intuitive or empathic, they feel that energy when they're working with it. Does it change the crystal? Probably not from the crystal's point of view, but it does from the user's point of view. It's ceremonial, it's a ritual, it's a beautiful addition to the work that we do. You know, we get to use all the elements. Crystals are of the earth. It's really cool to use moon energy with it. Yeah. Right. Gifts from Mother Earth. That's how I think of them. Yeah. You know what we do, Andrea, a lot is when we make gem water, we do put it like either in the moon or the sun because that the water really does get programmed from, you know, you can really feel that energy when you put it in the moon and the sun Oh, for different things. Yeah, that's really fun. So we make a lot of gem waters and we use a lot of ceremony with that. And that's wonderful, too. I use gem water a lot. And uh, especially when I was teaching Reiki almost full time, I always had a really large pitcher of gem water for the class. You have to be careful because there's some gems you cannot put in water for a variety of reasons. So I'm very cautious to tell people that don't just go randomly throwing crystals in your water uh, until you know a little bit about that. The crystals that are safe, I would have actually in the water. And people were always amazed at how effective it was. Yeah, gem water is wonderful. I recommend if you're interested in gem water, and this is not for you, Angie, or for you, Andrea, because I know you know better, get a book. There's a couple really delightful little books out there that go into a lot of detail about the proper way to use crystals for water. I think the one is called Gem Water, actually. (laughs) Yeah, that's Um, Michael Geinger's book. That's a very good book. Oh, that's the one I go to all the time. Me too. And it's teeny. It's like very little. Literally a little book, but it's just packed full of information. And I used that as a guidebook when I was preparing gem water. I went down a big rabbit hole the one day looking up like Hildegard von Bingham's work with crystals. She is a nun from the 14th century 
And she wrote a book called Physica, where she talks about how to use crystals for healing. She had this abbey up in the mountains and people would come to her for healing. And she used amethyst for almost everything. But Michael Geinger takes in that Gemwater book, her techniques and shares them too. He doesn't say that, but doing the research, she would hang amethyst over a boiling pot of water. So the water would condense on the amethyst and then rain back down into the pot. And that's how she would make gem water. And she would cleanse all of the wounds with that water specifically. So what's interesting is probably no one else was boiling their water. (laughs) That was a big thing, you know. She was probably helping infection rates and doing all kinds of stuff. So it is really cool. But there are a lot of indirect methods like this. I'll show you what I have in my water. It's a test tube Oh, with all kinds of crystals. Very nice. And this is uh, made by a woman. It's called Peace and Laughter Crystal Wands. And she makes them for all different intentions. And this one is actually for your throat because I was like, oh, I'm going to be talking with you guys (laughs) today. So I'll use my throat chakra. Oh, how cool. I love the use of the test tube. To keep them all together like that. Yeah. And you can use little little crystals that way yeah. in the water. Or you can just drop a crystal into your water, yeah. which is Clunk. how I usually do it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just not selenite or one not of those. Not selenite. Yeah. Not selenite. Yeah. It'll just it'll vanish before your eyes. <laughs> and you don't want to drink that. <laughs> it gets very friable. And the thing that people... They'll put it in water and it won't disappear immediately. And they go, oh my gosh, you know, everybody told me it disappears. It takes a long time to disappear. What it does do though, it does, is it breaks apart. And so you get little needles of selenite. And that is a hundred times worse than drinking exactly selenite water. It would be the only crystal that's ever cut me is selenite because it's so friable and you get splinters and that's the scary part with some of the crystals when people don't know. It's it's not always that there's a heavy metal in there. Often, you know, it, it gets friable, it breaks, you'll drink it. That's very dangerous. It's very dangerous. So you have to be very careful. You know, you got to know what you're doing and really exercise a lot of common sense and safety. This is so interesting. I could just sit here and talk to you all day about crystals, Angie. You got my special <laughs> interest going. Yeah. <laughs> Well, we were talking about charging crystals and you mentioned the sun and the moon and that kind of thing. And, you know, we're all Reiki people here and we have a lot of Reiki listeners. What about charging crystals with Reiki? Oh, absolutely. I mean, that's actually a perfect way to cleanse your crystal when you get it home is to give it Reiki, connect with it, clear it. You can, you can clear it with the symbols as well. So yeah, Reiki is a great way. You can charge it. I do that. Whenever I do a Reiki class, I always give my students crystals that I've charged with Reiki because I think it's really powerful. And you mentioned you had a grid behind you, a crystal grid. So there are so many different ways, I think, that we could make grids. Do you have some basics for us if we want to make a crystal grid? What do we need to have? And I guess anything we need to know. If we want to do a crystal grid, crystal grids are great for sending distance healing. They're great for intention setting. And what they basically are is you're teaching all these crystals who have different songs 
you're kind of bringing the chorus together. Oh, you can kind of think of it that way. So I like that. Your intention is the song that you're singing. And each crystal that you bring into a grid has its own register. So you're kind of teaching them the same song by putting them in a grid together. For example, my grid that I have back there is for healing. I have uh, my, my son's basketball coach has a recurrence of cancer and asks for healing and prayers. And somebody else in one of my groups also is sending Reiki and healing to someone with cancer. So I thought I'm going to make this grid for all of those who want to tap into healing for cancer and for recurrence. So I use uh, Chrysocolla in the middle because Chrysocolla has a number of different crystals in it. It's copper based. It's very good for inflammation and for healing. And so one of the problems when you're going through cancer treatment is that infection rates are high. This is a really great crystal for dealing with infection. So I put that in the center. Okay. So I use a bigger stone in the center. And then I want to mirror the sacred geometry of that crystal. So I would arrange smaller crystals so they can just be little tumbled crystals in a geometric pattern around it. A lot of people will just use a flower of life. You can use a hexagon, you can use a circle, whatever works for you. But generally, we use some sacred geometry like Metatron's cube or a flower of life or an infinity symbol. So that's the first crystal I put in there. Then I used uh, selenite, which is really good for treating cancer. It's great for purifying the energy field. It's good for clearing energy. It's good for protection. It's good for high vibration work to call in angels and guides. So that's the song that sings. And then I used rose quartz because that brings in this beautiful divine. Well, I actually used pink amethyst, which is a pink version of amethyst that resonates in the hearts. It's so beautiful. And it grows in only geodes right now that they found. And it's so beautiful, but it works with that divine love connects with the earth energy. And so all of these together, I'm saying, send your own specific healing to all those who are suffering from cancer. And so what I could do every day then, I set this up, I use six pieces of each of those crystals around the center stone, which is a little bit bigger, in a flower of light. I think it, actually that one's Metatron's cube. And then every morning when I do my Reiki prayers, I send Reiki to it, and that's supposed to broadcast out to everybody's name that I've said or who wanted to connect. So I put the picture up in my group, and everyone sends to it. So all these people are receiving that distance healing work every morning. And so that's what grids are awesome for. You know, they can be used as center places, and then they're just beautiful. You know, they're just beautifully arranged. And There's some really complex ones out there. There's some really basic ones. Just start simple. Get a really small, good book like Hibiscus Moon's Crystal Grids book is really good. That's the one I started with. Absolutely. Because it was so down to earth and easy to follow and understandable. So that's a really good one. And it's a nice little book as well. I like little books. <laughs> Me too. Easy. The easier, the better. <laughs> yeah, I like them. Now, I agree. I like Metatron's cube personally. That's my go-to sacred geometry. I just love that. Me too. But to each his own, right? Everybody goes to what works for them. 
Angie, before we go, could you share any last piece of advice for our listeners? Hopefully, we can demystify crystals a little bit. Just have a relationship with crystals. Start small. Having a crystal grid, you do what I just did. You have to have 19 crystals. And that is overwhelming for a lot of people. So start with one that you just really think is beautiful and you love and sit with it and lay it on your body and see where it goes and see how you feel. And keeping it very simple, I think, is the best approach to crystals or really anything. But starting small and just developing a personal relationship is it's accessible to anyone. And I don't like the idea that some people, you know, oh, you have to be a crystal master to be able to have a relationship with crystals. I just don't believe that. I think we all are capable of having a personal relationship with a crystal. So, I think that's absolutely beautiful to share because it also reminds me about Reiki, that everybody can benefit from Reiki. You don't have to believe in it to benefit. Anybody can learn it. So I love the message that we don't have to make it complicated when it comes to crystals. We can just start out very modestly with that just intention to move forward with them. I have loved having you here, Angie. And I thank you for going back to Crystal 101 with me. Sure. I just love hearing about crystals and how people use them because I think the more we just talk about it, the more inviting it is, the more real it is. And hopefully we get rid of any anxiety or fears that we're going to do it wrong or or anything. The crystals don't care. And Reiki and crystals go together like peanut butter and chocolate. They really do belong together. (laughs) Yeah, I like that. (laughs) Forget the jelly. (laughs) I know. I thought, oh, here it comes jelly. And then you just totally came out of left field. Chocolate. Gotta do the chocolate. I live in Hershey. (laughs) The Reese's. I smell Reese's all the time. Oh, my goodness. Wow. Well, Angie, thanks again for being here. You have such a wealth of experience and knowledge. You've done so many different things, and we just can't even break the surface on everything that you could share. So to help our listeners connect with you, Angie, do you have a website that you might share? Yeah, you can find me at themoonandstone.com or angieyinkst.com. Y-I-N-G-S-T, correct? Yes, thank you. Fantastic. And of course, we'll put links in the show notes as well to help our listeners find you even more easily. Thanks again, Angie. Thank you so much for having me. We thank you again for joining us. And of course, we invite you to join us next time as we journey beyond the Reiki Gateway with Kathleen Johnson and Andrea Kennedy.